everyone. So I am here with Dr. Siddhi Patel, and she is a clinical psychologist. How are you? I'm good. I'm happy to be here. Um, so we just wanted to kind of talk about the stigmas behind South Asian mental health and like the stigmas in our culture with not only that, but also I saw on your page that you go into a little bit about like body image, eating disorders. Um, but before mm -hmm. we get into all of that, I just want everyone to get to know you a little bit. So kind of share your story with me. Tell me about yourself. Absolutely. So professionally, I'm a clinical psychologist and I have my own private practice. It's called Meraki Psychology Center, um, physically located in New Jersey, but I see clients in New Jersey and New York, which is um, because I'm licensed in both of those states. And, um, you know, my journey um, really, I think, has like been a mix of a lot of different populations that I work with, just starting probably all the way back in college to graduate school and postgraduate school. So got a chance to kind of have the experience of working with a lot of different minority groups in different levels of care um, with different types of presenting mental health issues. And that's kind of really led to like me cultivating my practice to what it is today. I would say that I work with probably like at least 50% of my clients are South Asian, identify as South Asian. Um, and I, I would say a lot of the others are from different types of minority groups. Um, I do work with a lot of young adults. I have a few adolescents that I work with as well, but mostly a lot of young adults, um, some older adults. And so um, it's been kind of an opportunity to work with, I would say, a variety of different presenting issues. I am a therapist that's much more behavioral in terms of how I practice. And so I do have training and specialties in different types of behavioral interventions. So I work a lot with different types of anxiety disorders. I would say anxiety disorders and depression is just such a common presentation in mental health right now. But in addition to that, a lot of OCD and related disorders, eating disorders, trauma. Um, and then with a lot of my clients that are especially from different minority groups, there's a lot of different challenges, especially with like, generational trauma, you know, acculturation issues, family issues, um, different dynamics that are present in uh, relationships, especially with like blending families, um, identity, and, you know, different things along those lines. So it, it is kind of a different, I would say a wide scope of different presenting issues, but that's a, that's a good mix of what I see in my practice. Um, and when I'm not practicing, I'm a mom of two young kids, um, which I love. And um, I'm really passionate about mental health. And that's um, why I'm really excited to be here. I, I think that especially as personally a South Asian identified woman, it's been really eye-opening to see like when I enter this field, how little representation there was of people like myself, at least like on the therapist end and then also on the client end. It was like so rare for me to work with people that look like me or that had a background like me. And I'm really glad to say that it's been changing, especially through COVID, but there's still so much work to do as, as a group, as a larger population and as a society to help break some of the barriers for people seeking out mental health treatment, for people getting appropriate diagnosis and treatment, um, and just really being able to have, have more open conversations about topics that are so uh, taboo in certain parts of our culture. So that's a really big reason why I work with in like the areas that I do. And it's been exciting to work with a lot of South Asians, particularly because, like I said, when I first started joining the field, there was no one that was coming in that was of that representation. And now it's been really um, a big shift slowly. 
Yeah, I think I've also like noticed that um like the whole idea of like oh therapy like in 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 Indian culture you shouldn't mm-hmm. go to therapy like you don't need to go to therapy you can just fix it suck it up. So I feel like now that we're breaking those barriers, that's something that's so important because even I feel like even people, if you're feeling okay or like there's even like a little minor community, therapy can always, always help you. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'm probably biased to agree with that too, but (laughs) absolutely. I mean, we all are recommended to get a physical, you know, once a year, we're supposed to go get our eyes checked, get, you know, a dental checkup twice a year. Why not get our mental health checked at the minimum? Right. And so I absolutely agree. Um, It could really help in all areas of our lives. If we also encourage that as a society as something that was more normalized versus it being something that's like hush hush or like, why do you need to do that? Because is there something wrong with you if you're going to therapy? But also there are still those families that keep it like hush, hush. So how do you think we can go about fixing that? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think that it's like, this is a stemming, this is an issue that's stemming like back in history. Um, And, you know, I think that there's so much um, perspective that started back in the day about exactly like what mental health issues was right like typically it was like if you have something severe such as like bipolar disorder or psychotic disorder you were kicked out of your family you were kicked out of the house you weren't really included in the family system and there was not really any consideration of oh this person could get maybe some extra support or what are some resources we can utilize and people really felt like they had to hide this this stuff in their own family and so I would say from there to now there are certain parts of our society that have made a lot of progress and recognizing that mental health is something that is coming up, especially I would say more with like young, like it's coming up in like elementary school, it's coming up in middle school. Like it's not something that we only see when people become adults. And so a lot of South Asians now I think are as parents, like kind of like invited to think about mental health services for their kids from their schools like yeah. early on like these conversations are happening not within the family but it's saying like the school is saying hey we think your child could benefit from some extra support or what do you think about them seeing our counselor in school so I think that these conversations coming from multiple angles is really helpful but I, I think honestly part of it is having more conversations like let's not keep it hush hush if we're in therapy let's talk about it let's normalize that therapy is not something that is only for people that are like you know mentally ill because I think that term in itself has been so stigmatizing but conversations about when people come out and share hey I have anxiety and I'm South Asian and they talk about it with their friends and then their friends are saying like oh well wait I'm in therapy too now all of a sudden that group is starting to talk about something that they might never have talked about and I think that's kind of what I've seen personally too I've had a lot of acquaintances and friends over the years that because I'm a therapist, they've sought me out, but they were really feeling quite nervous as South Asians to seek out therapy. And they were really concerned about what are people going to think about them. But as I have really shared openly that I'm in therapy myself. And I think that, you know, a lot of the people that I know and probably people that we all know are in therapy, but no one's really talking about it. It kind of has been something that just in my smaller group of people we've been like able to recognize it's okay to talk about and conversations are happening that never really happened 10 years ago even on like levels with parents and grandparents so I think we need to talk about the need and normalize it and not be so hush hush about it Um, and I think slowly that automatically makes it more of a welcoming idea versus something that is like kind of just not really out in the open yeah I agree I agree um so wait sorry um, so what do you think, like you kind of already reiterated this, but I just wanted to like go into it a little bit deeper. You said the history, but 
What psychological barriers do you think prevent South Asians from seeking help and treatment for mental health issues? And also like their parents, like what are those barriers? Like, what do you think it is? You know, I, I think there's just a lot of layers to the barriers. And that's why I think this is not just something that is going to be eliminated just like that, right? It's been uh, a journey to get to where we are and we still have a lot of work to do to really um, destigmatize a lot of the barriers. I, you know, I think personally, as I'm thinking about some of the people that I work with or, or have worked with and the barriers that we've talked about, because many of them I would I would say it's pretty consistent that many of them would say I wanted to start therapy earlier, but my parents didn't approve or I had to wait till I was in college. So they didn't know that I was in therapy because they didn't have to disclose to their parents at that point that they were seeking therapy services. So, so many people have come into therapy probably a lot later in their life because the barriers of parents saying no, right? Parents just saying, no, you don't need that. Like you said before, like suck it up. It's your attitude. Just change your perspective. I mean, so many people are told that their whole lives for some people, it doesn't work for them, right? They're just like, well, that's really invalidating. Like, I don't think it's something that I could just switch my mind and I won't feel anxious. Like, it's not that simple. For some people, they start to internalize that, right? They start to think, yeah, maybe it's just me. Maybe I just need to change my perspective and suck it up and not just be anxious. I, it's a choice that I get to make. And so I think there's kind of two different things going on for so many people when the same belief systems are echoed from generation to generation, that belief system gets internalized as soon as you're a young child and it gets reinforced as you're an adolescent and adult. So you get to become a adult that also kind of even without realizing it, it has these beliefs that I don't need therapy. I don't have any mental health issues. I need to just suck it up. I can't be upset. I can't be anxious because that means something's like weak about me or something's wrong about me. And then there's this whole other population that wants to seek it out, but the parents say no because of the stigma that they feel other people in their society and their culture and their group will think about their family. Um, I think that when I hear about like, I work with some older South Asians now, which is amazing that they've come in for therapy because it's been so rare. But I think that one of the things I hear from them is just like, we weren't allowed to talk about this stuff. Like when I, like I'll hear from them, like when I was, you know, told that like, I'm upset when I'm married to someone that's not doing something that I like, like, I'm not allowed to say anything. I have to respect that person. I need to like bite my tongue and I can't speak my mind. So, so many of them will say, this is the very first time after 50 years that I'm actually talking about my feelings. And there was so much like discouragement to talk about their feelings with people, especially outside of their family, especially like with a stranger, like it's, I feel like very much looked down upon. And so I think these things have, you know, continuously been passed on and ingrained in how people um, function then when they become adults. Yeah. Um, I don't know, those are definitely some of the common ones I see as barriers. When you said the thing about like um, marriage and stuff, it kind of brought me also to the idea like our mm -hmm. culture stigmatizes gender roles so much. Mm -hmm. as well. Absolutely. And um, I just feel like that that is something like considering that I'm such I'm at such a young age, that's something that would be very hard for me to address because I haven't personally seen or been in those kind of situations. But kind of like I just wanted to know because you brought it up, like what is some advice you have about like women who are struggling with their gender roles who are scared to speak up who are told like you have to abide by your husband who are still stuck in that mentality what advice would you give them yeah that's a great question I you know I don't think it's a kind of I, I think it has to be personalized to the individual situation for sure um, but I, I think that everyone's voice matters here and unfortunately 
so many relationships. Well, you know, I think in general, a lot of these arranged marriages that have really been a big part of the, the society and the culture in, in South Asian homes have a, a good success rate, like on paper, right? There's a lot of things that when people kind of dig deeper that are missing for them in these dynamics. Um, and so, you know, I think if someone is with a partner where they feel like they are asked to do things that they feel are unfair and that they're told to bite their tongue and not speak up like the first thing I would say is that like it's okay if you're conflicted it's okay if you're worried and scared and that there's a lot of like concerns especially of like what will my parents say what will my in-laws say like I think that there's a lot of reality to people putting people that speak up down in, in a lot of cultures. And I think South Asian culture still struggles with this quite a bit. But I think that part of it is like that you say things in a clear, concise and respectful manner, right? The more that you share those things throughout the journey that you're experiencing it, it's not gonna boil to like anger and outburst or resentment. But you know, if you are with someone that can hopefully learn to respect that or learn to hear your perspective and be able to come to an understanding of what equality looks like, then hopefully that will be something that you continue to work on with that person. But if someone's completely refusing to meet you halfway or even meet you somewhat, you know, towards a way that can feel like it's more um, fair, and then it's absolutely okay to make a decision that's best in your interest. And other people will always talk society will always talk, right? At the end of the day, I think that too many decisions get made because of what other people are going to say, but it's at a cost. People end up becoming incredibly depressed, anxious, suicidal because they feel so alone in their experiences or they feel like they're forced to become someone that they're not. And so we as a society have to help people not get to that place by giving them the space to talk about these things. And if anything, I would say, reach out to other friends, go to some support groups, reach out to other, you know, um, people that are especially part of like mental health groups, you'll get a lot of support. And many of those people have probably been through something similar. So you can start there before, you know, maybe if you're not ready to like speak up in your actual family situation. Right. That sentence, people always talk has been a huge thing in Indian culture, like even ranging from like, I see it myself as like, um, a high schooler, like it's like mm -hmm. people always talk about other kids grades, other kids like what they look like, like, especially in Indian community. So it's like the whole idea you have to always re like live up to those Indian standards. So that, yeah. I feel like that also plays a huge role in like gender roles as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, all, there's so many layers to all of this, but they do kind of just really get to a point where you start to think that you have to operate for others and that you lose sight of yourself in that process, right? So much of the culture is about what other people are going to think about you. It's very collectivistic and there's a lot of positives about that. But at the same time, if it's always at an expense of what your desires are, what your interests are, what feels good for you, then there's quite a big imbalance and it, it can lead to a lot of mental health issues among like other physical health issues and many other things as well. And our society is not acknowledging that enough. Agreed. Um, also, I don't want, so I don't want to make this too long, but I saw that you were um, touching in on body image and eating disorders and stuff. And although like, I mean, I, I'm sure that's super prevalent, prevalent in South Asian culture. I haven't seen it so much um with like the people that I'm surrounded with but I'm like of course I'm sure it is it's prevalent everywhere um but I just kind of wanted you to like kind of talk about your work and that like just kind of give some advice like I just wanted to hear a professional opinion on it 
Yeah, it's it's interesting. I kind of started to get like, I would say back maybe in college, like kind of just get a little bit more involved in a research lab on my uh campus and my undergraduate program that was working within body image and eating disorders. And as I started working on other research studies by other graduate students, I was really just like quickly fascinated by so many of the facets of body image and how much that was like kind of such a challenge for folks, especially in college. Like there was so many people that, you know, I feel like never really had thoughts or conversations about any of this in high school. But then when they went to college, there was so much preoccupation occupation with their body. There was so many different like diets that people were going on. There were so many concerns and like, I would say more like anxieties coming up about how people will think about how they look. And so it definitely felt like at that point in my like early training and also just like where I was as a college student, it was such a hot topic. Um, but what I noticed was missing was conversations about South Asians. There was like no representation pretty much in any of the research studies about how body image or eating disorder concerns show up in South Asians. Actually, there really was very little information about how these areas of concerns show up among many minority groups. But reality is, is that many South Asians, I mean, if we're talking about this specific group, didn't grow up with the same kind of expectations around body type and skin color and hair type that maybe a lot of the people in the studies were talking about. And so I felt like the representation just wasn't there. And that's what really got me interested in really filling this gap. So I started doing some of my own research that was really focused on kind of like, I would say a lot of preliminary data to just understand what does body image even mean to South Asians? Because we can assume that like when someone thinks a little bit about body image, they're thinking, okay, that person wants to be thinner. That person wants to have like certain types of curves, et cetera. But truthfully, the language and the conversations about body image is so different from culture to culture and body type to body type. And so I didn't want to really ignore some of these like details that I felt like like we're missing. And then when a South Asian client goes into like a counseling center at a college and talks about body image issues, that therapist may not even realize that that person actually has some struggles because they're not fitting all of the diagnostic criteria of having an eating disorder or having concerns related to developing an eating disorder. So they may not diagnose them, they might misdiagnose them, but they're not asking the appropriate questions because all the questions are really made for a lot of the majority white population and not really specific to asking about the things that matter to South Asian. So that's really kind of where a lot of my early research was based on. I mean, it slowly evolved into my into my dissertation. Um, I did a whole qualitative study on looking at the different aspects of body image that were coming up as most important in South Asians. And honestly, it really wasn't primarily just about weight. A lot more conversations came up about skin color. I would say that was like such a hot topic about, you know, dark skin color, light skin color, all the different products that people were raised using in their homes, having to use umbrellas when they go outside in the summertime so they don't get sun on their bodies because if they became dark, they're not going to be marriage material like there was so many things tied in with skin color that were coming up in my conversations with south asians and hair type like needing to have straight hair that curly hair was not acceptable like these were the things that parents were saying grandparents were saying aunts and uncles were saying right so people were making comments about weight but there were so many other comments about skin color and hair type that were coming up as like quite difficult conversations for people and people really felt like they had to change who they were naturally but these are not the questions that are again asked when you go to get like an evaluation done by a therapist they're not going to ask you how do you feel about your skin color or what do you think about when I you know talk about 
yeah. like your hair type. Like these are not the things that are happening. So my work is really focused on like helping us um, as therapists really expand how we ask questions, especially to different types of cultural groups and really trying to understand like from your perspective what is it like to be in your body what's it like to be you know essentially interacting in the world with the body that you have how do you feel about things like your skin color and your hair as well as your weight and other things that you know we often ask about and using that information to help them like address some of the things that are not working well for that person and I think in fact a lot of the conversations or the work that I do with South Asians is about how to become more comfortable with the skin color that they have, how to be more comfortable with like the hair that they haven't spent instead of spending hours like straightening their hair. What are some of the ways that they could figure out who they want to be authentically in their body, regardless of what all these aunties and uncles and everyone is saying to them about how they're not marriage material. So I, I think that there's like a lot of opportunity to expand on this topic alone, but eating disorders and body image concerns do show up in South Asians, just like they show up in every other minority group, but they're just not captured a lot in a lot of the data and research that we have because they're not always being like asked the kinds of things that capture their experience. And then they're often, like I said, misdiagnosed or not diagnosed at all. So we have a lot of work to do in this area, but I definitely think that we can really focus on other parts um, of a person to really understand what's going on for them. Because at the end of the day, it's really more about how to have a good and healthy relationship with your body. And a lot of times, one of the other things I think that came up was um, a lot about like food and the pressure to eat and how eating food at everyone's home is like a sign of respect and like sometimes not even wanting to eat something or something being like beyond like, you know, your interest for you eat it anyway to be respectful and how there's like a lot of force with food, but then there's an expectation that you are thin and skinny. So your marriage material and how do you navigate these things? Um, so all of these different conversations were really interesting and definitely um, topics that I think will probably keep coming up, hopefully. I feel like I never realized, like when you said the hair thing that stuck out to me, cause I have naturally curly hair, mm -hmm. but I straighten it every single week. Like yeah. repeatedly. Yeah. yeah. That was just something I like never thought about. Like I've just been so used to doing it like habit since mm -hmm. like eighth grade. And awesome if you enjoy it, right? I think that so many people obviously do. I'm, I'm actually the opposite. I have straight hair and I really want curly hair. So I'm like always trying to figure out how to get curly hair. But definitely growing up, I was, every time I did it, my mom's like, why are you doing that? It's good to have like straight hair. Like it was definitely looked down upon if I curled my hair. Um, and I think it's interesting how, how the conversations go when we change certain things about ourselves. Like if it kind of gets internalized, right? When you keep hearing the same message over and over again, it's hard to know what do I really want? What do I really like? Versus what did like my parents tell me to do? What did society tell me is acceptable? And you start to almost like be a little bit more, I would say confused on who you are. Your identity just feels like really not um, something that you feel like competent and um, expressing because you're not really sure who you are any at that point anymore. Yeah, and even with body image, I feel like it's a huge thing for South Asians because of the way that, like, Bollywood presents, like, mm -hmm. women and what they look like. Like, will I'll constantly compare myself. Like, I'll come downstairs, see my parents watching, like, Deepika Padukone mm -hmm. on the screen. And I'm like, oh, why is my stomach not that skinny? Why don't I look like that? If that's what the ideal Indian girl is supposed to look like. Plus, also, as high schoolers, like, we're used to seeing, like, even, like, guys our age talk about, like, oh, my God, like, she's so pretty. She's so pretty. And you're like, yeah. I don't look like that. Yeah, I mean, I don't think most people do, right? Like these exactly. are like select few people in the country, um, but they are definitely, you're absolutely right. Yeah, like our our exposure is these movies, social media, right? And so like 
so much of that has to be considered when we think a little bit about how do we internalize how we look and what it means to look how we do. Um, I think that while there's so much awesome influence on social media, there's obviously a lot of influence that's not good and that's not helpful. It makes you kind of just sit there and compare or there's a lot of Photoshop and like filters, right? This has all created some like challenges when it comes to what people think their bodies are supposed to look like. So there's there's a lot of work and, you know, honestly, like I think that nowadays I see even like in elementary schools and middle schools, there's more conversations about like loving your body and developing a healthy relationship with your body. I mean, there's so much work to do in this area, but there's at least some efforts, I think, in some education systems to have these conversations, which is awesome. But I know I didn't grow up with that. Like that was not part of anything that was in any of my curriculum or any of the conversations, even until I got to grad school, I would say that was like still something more focused on my training, but not like actually something that was in, you know, exposure wise helpful. So how else would we learn that? How else would we learn to talk nicely to our bodies? And how else would we learn to really get to a point where we have a healthy relationship with all these different parts of ourselves that may not match the other people that we see on television or movies or social media. And I think that that's where like sometimes adults still have that work to do. Like you might be 30 years old, but you may realize that like I've had a crappy relationship with my body and how I look and I need to start to work on it now because it's impacting other things in my life that I didn't realize were happening. Yeah, one of my friends was going through like something like this and like, sa like same with me, like when I was in um, like eighth or ninth grade, I was like a little bit like, oh, like obsessed with the idea of losing weight. Mm -hmm. and I, like, it's, it's like the whole thing where you're like criticizing yourself in the mirror. So what she said to do is like, um, take a picture of your younger self and put it on the mirror and anything you're saying to yourself, you're saying to her too. Yes, I love that exercise. Feel, that makes you feel like, oh, like, why would I ever say that to her? Like, and so I shouldn't be saying it to myself. Really powerful exercise, right? To really be able to kind of take a step back and realize how you talk to yourself, it sticks in a way that's pretty meaningful. But sometimes I think that we don't realize how hurtful we can say things to ourselves that we would never say to our younger selves or maybe even like a friend, right? Like I often ask people, would you ever say that to a friend? If not, why would you say it to yourself? It's just something that is a lot harder to retrain our minds to not do. Yeah, and people are always overly critical of yourself. Like the way that you, I see myself is probably a different way than like someone else would see me for sure. Absolutely. Um, that is pretty much all of the questions I had. If there's anything else you want to share. Um, well, I mean, I think that was a good variety of a few topics. I, yeah, I can't think of anything offhand, but it was such a pleasure talking with you and chatting today. You too. Thank you so much. I'm so glad for people to hear this. Thank you. Absolutely.